0: Everybody say, win the day. We're back to win the day. I thank Pastor Shane and Pastor Ben for filling in for the two Sundays I was gone. We had a wonderful time. Uh, it was cold. We usually go on vacation in July and we waited until Labor Day because we couldn't get our cottage and so uh, it never got over 62. It was just cold up north. But you know what? It was wonderful. It's just great to breathe and to look over God's creation. It's restoring and refreshing. So I'm back and excited about the fall. let to remind you where we've been though and when the day. I've got the, the pictures there. Can the pictures help you? What's the first one? flip the script. There it is. Don't look. What's the next one? Kiss the wave. What's the next one? Eat the frog. And the next one? Yep. Fly the kite. And the last one? cut the rope. We've been all the way down this already. I can't believe we went through five messages, had to take the two-week break, but now we've got two more. Today and next Sunday we'll wrap up the Win the Day series, and then we start a series in the book of Thessalonians. So start looking toward that. It's about... Uh, Hope and holiness in a hostile world. So we'll be getting into Thessalonians, walking through that verse by verse, uh, starting, uh, the beginning of October. So these are the key habits that we're trying to get installed in our lives. Remember, life is a bunch of habits and, and we need to do some habit exchanges. We gotta get rid of those bad habits and put some good habits. Don't just get rid of a bad habit. Install some good habits. Or should we say God habits? We gotta get those going in our lives. What does that take? Well, you've got to flip the script. Number one, look at God's story for your life. Don't just look at what the problems are going on. And then we've got to kiss that wave. Maybe we are inundated with bad things. We'll learn to kiss the wave that cast you on the rock of all ages. Then we've got to eat the frog. Let me, let me ask you the question. When's the best time to eat the frog? First thing in the morning, because then you can say it's done. I don't have to do that again. If you've got a large frog and a little frog, which one should you eat first? The big frog, right, okay, and that's life. If, if you want to, if you're desiring God to do something, you're like, I wanna wake up every morning and I want to get in God's word for a half hour and pray. I wanna do that every day. Well, if you're gonna do that, eat the frog. How do you do it? Set the alarm clock the night before, remember? Habits start before, the night before, the day before. And so we learn to fly the kite you got to fly that kite. Remember we talked about how they got that bridge to cross the span of the Niagara River? Uh, they had the f- kite flying contest. A little boy flew a kite across, and then they took that little kite string, and they, they tied, tied a little it. bigger rope to it and dragged it across. To the rope, they dragged a little bit of cable across, and then three-strand cable, and they pulled that across. And then finally, there's an the expansion bridge that ends up being built. How did it start? you got to fly the kite. So this morning, uh, if there's something in your life that you know God is challenging you about, fly the kite. Get it started. Let's go. It doesn't have to be built. Rome wasn't built in a day, and you're definitely not going to build it in one day. Fly the kite. See what God can take and build from there. Cut the rope. Remember we talked about the Otis Elevator Company and how he yelled, Cut the Rope, as he stood in that open elevator shaft above New York City and everybody gasped and it only fell three feet. Why? Because Otis invented the elevator brake. Cut the rope. Sometimes you gotta show. I'm gonna trust God completely. God, there's nothing holding me up. uh, We say this around church all the time. Boy, God better show up or we're in big trouble. That's how we operate. God's gotta show up or we're in big trouble. Cut the rope! (sighs) We do that with the budget. It's wonderful having guys and the elder board sitting around a table and looking at the numbers and saying, we've got to grow the budget, which means people need to give more money, but we don't know if they're going to give more money. The, the 10 seems to be down. Well, we cut the rope. God, we believe we've got to do these things. We believe this is the direction. We cut the rope. I noticed the pre-service loop showed that last week's offering was only $8,000. I'm like, that's not going to work, God. That's not going to work. Each week needs to be over $10,000 for us to even make even. Then I noticed we were already $20,000 behind in giving for the year. I'm not giving you a hard time because we already cut the rope, y'all. <laughs> we cut the rope. We already set a budget. We're paying Ben. We're going to do it. Amen. <laughs> and, 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 and we're not going to wait. We're not going to sit around worrying. worrying oh, no. What are the people going to get? No, no. God's going to take care. You know what? He always does. You're like, oh, this is scary, this is scary. No, guys, it happens every year. For six years I've been here, the budget has always been bigger than what you guys have been giving. How does God do that? I don't know. Some people like to wait until December or, or actually we're on the calendar now where it ends in, in July. Somebody like, they give us a $60,000 check in June and they do that because they, they want the pastor to sweat, I guess, I don't know. But, but God always has a way of helping us through. Are you surprised by that? He's the God who builds sidewalks and seas. He's the God that shuts lions' mouths. <laughs> He's the God who, who, when fiery furnaces are so hot, it burns people in the area, but the three that go down in there, oh, there was four down there. One was like the Son of Man. They don't even burn. They don't even smell like smoke. That's the God I know. Do you know that, God? I trust in Him. So we cut the rope and say, God, if you're not in this, we've got no other plan. (laughs) So we move on today and we talk about, well, this is the the key for the whole thing. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Win the day. Remember, just win the day. You don't have to uh, have a whole year planned out, but if you have a a desire and, and you see God moving you in a certain direction and you commit to stepping in that the next day, well, win that day. And then if you put two of those days together, you got a winning streak. And what do we call that? We call that sanctification. We call that God growing you into who he wants you to be. And so we are going to talk about the big idea today, which is you do not find time, you make time. That's why I brought my friend a little clock. Today, the word is wind the clock. Wind the clock. I'm going to challenge you guys this morning to maybe start. Uh, Sometimes you just don't know what. Uh, can I give a testimony Stephanie are you in the house I'm going to give your testimony okay um, you just you've already signed off uh, <laughs> I called Stephanie right before I left on vacation we had a gap I wanted to fill so I wouldn't worry about it on vacation we were looking for somebody to to step into the welcoming the uh, uh, hospitality team that welcomes people our new guests and things and we were looking who could it be and we all put our heads around it and we thought it, it should be maybe Stephanie Stephanie Oswald is, she's a wonderful bright lady and she just exudes friendliness and 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 so we all thought, boy, Stephanie could do that. And so pastor's always the one that has to do the big ask. I got a call. And so it's right before vacation. I don't know, I think it was either the day or the day before I left, I called Stephanie. And I'm like, Lord, she really has got, I mean, she's. we really need need Stephanie Stephanie to say yes, Lord. I have these conversations with God all the time. We really need Stephanie to say yes, Lord. And I call Stephanie. She answers politely. And I'm like, Stephanie, Stephanie, I've got a big ask for you. She goes, bring it on. And I brought it out. And immediately, I've never heard a person do this so quickly before. I don't think I'd finished my final sentence after my pastoral 24 paragraph of what I was asking for. You know, I finally get to the end. We really need you to run the welcome. Yes, I'll do it. What? I'm, I was shocked. I'm like, no, no conjoling, no begging, no let's pray about it. That's what we do, by the way oh, don't even say no to a pastor because my next response is, well, let's pray about it, okay? And and we'll try again the next time. I didn't have to do that. Stephanie's like, yes. And then she said, pastor, you need to know. During this win the day series, I've been feeling like God wants me to do something. But I didn't know know what what the something something was. was. She said, Pastor, I've been looking for it. I've been thinking about what it could be. Pastor, I started inventing things that it could be. And I start in and it wasn't that. I knew it wasn't that. She almost took a job. Woo, thank the Lord she didn't take a job. Oh, it's terrible when people get paid to do something. when We want people to do stuff for free. <laughs> she almost took a job. She went in and, and found out that she could definitely do the job. She's overqualified for the job. Took the information. was going to apply for the job. She got in the car and she's like, this isn't it. God, what are you doing? I'm supposed to be doing something. Ring. Hey, Stephanie, this is Pastor John, nah, Oakwood Community Church. We got a big ask. I really need something. I got to... Yes! What? She said, this is it. God's been... You should have called me a week ago. <laughs> she was ready. Why? Because God God will tell you, it's time to wind the clock, people. It's time to start, start the time frame. It's time to get going. And so let's pray this morning in. As we get ready to talk about this, wind the clock. Would you pray with me? Would you say, God, since there's something for me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give God that prayer. Since there's something for me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, may you be glorified. May everyone hearing this be edified. May Satan be horrified. In Jesus' name, amen. Coley, how long have you lived? 21 Years. Mark, how long have you lived? 63. 63. Ed, how long have you lived? 57. 50. Wow. No. No, I don't think so. I think, I, I think, think the it, obvious answer to that question is we go to, uh, the years our blood is, our heart's been plumping blood, right? I'm 52. 52. And I think back on the moments when I was actually fully alive. It's not 52 years worth. I remember my first motorcycle ride. I couldn't have been a teenager. I I had to have been 10 or 11 or 12 and my cousin Stevie had a motorcycle, a Kawasaki. I'd never ridden a Kawasaki. I grew up in the suburbs, but he lived in the country and they had motorcycles. I remember getting on that Kawasaki and getting a few lessons and then driving away and feeling that wind and smelling the th- smells of the sweet grass. I'm telling you, I might live a million years, but I will remember that moment. Stevie ruined me for life. I have two Harleys now and I I still love the feeling of the wind in my face and the fresh smells, even the dead deer in the road. You think it's bad in the car and the motorcycle, it's all there, man. But I was fully alive. That moment, I remember a first kiss. Julie and I had been dating for a while, and people at the campus—we're on a college campus and a fairly small college campus—and so the question started going around: "Have you kissed her yet?" You know, everybody wanted to know. Everybody's kind of keeping score, wondering. You know, and so I'm starting to feel the pressure, and I decided it was time. I took Julie over to the west side. We went to the Lake Michigan beach, and I I wanted to make sure it was done right. I I was really, man, this has got to be good. This has got to be memorable. I can smell the Lake Michigan air, and there wasn't many people around, but I could see the sun setting, and I can remember looking her in the eyes, and she was freaking out because she knew this was coming, right? And it, it had to be just perfect, and I'm like, don't blow this, Don. Don't blow this. And I looked at her, and I said, would you take out your gum? she was just chomping she just I was afraid to go in I was gonna get bit yeah I ruined it yeah you get it that's not the most romantic thing we're always gonna have that for our first kiss she's and in her mind she's thinking what do you plan on doing that I gotta get the gum out I mean oh but guys as long as I live I won't forget that moment we were talking as a band this morning about how come in school there's moments that are etched in you you won't forget. I only have a few. That's why I was a terrible student in school. But I can tell you today. Am, is, are, was, were, be, being, been, have, has, had, do, does, this, shall, will, should, would, might, must, can, could. I know that. It is here. Whatever the teacher did that day, if we could bottle it, we would remember all of it. But that's about the only thing I remember from grade school. And we even had to ask around this morning. Are those participles or prepositions? We don't know, but I remember them. And then I got to high school. Don't remember anything except for co- corresponding parts of congruent triangles are congruent. Guys, I don't know what was happening those days or what they were doing, but if we could figure that out and make it so we'd learn like that. Those are etched in me forever. There are moments, everybody say moments, of life. How long have you lived? I'm giving it back to him. Maybe minutes. Maybe minutes. Mark, how long have you lived? Maybe an hour or so, Ed? 27 years, maybe. Yeah, I think you got my point. We need to look at time differently. The Bible talks about time differently. Lots of people live uh, worrying about, uh, they're living in a different time zone. Remember, they're they're stuck in the past tense guilt. They're they're paralyzed by a future tense fear. They're half present, half the time, half alive. And I, I don't think we're half alive. I think most of us, if we'd add up the moments, the real moments when we were alive, we've only lived for hours. And that's why God says something really incredible about time. In 2 Peter 3.8, he says, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Can I explain to you today that God is not bound by our time? He started the clock for you and I when he said, let there be, and creation began, and the time clock started, but time needs to be looked at, because time, as we see it, is not how God sees it. Hopefully, I'll bring that out today. So, let's talk about a right relationship with time. Time is a human construct. Again, uh, yes, we do live in time. Yes, I'm not telling you to throw away your clocks or your iPhones and your alarms. No, but it is a human construct. God doesn't exist within the space-time dimension that He created. He doesn't the Bible says that he's always been and always will be. He is, he is past, present, and future at the same time. He is the alpha and omega. He's the beginning and the end. Somebody once coined the phrase, God is the eternal now. He's the eternal life. I asked the question, how long have you lived? And we start thinking our chronological time frame, our age, our heart pumping muscle that many years. And and when we think about it, no, we really haven't lived all those years. A lot of those were wasted. But God is not. He is eternal now. He is eternally in the present. He is eternally in the moment. Another thing we need to remember is that we live forward, but God is working backwards. In Ephesians 2:10, he said there are good works which he created in advance for us to do. <laughs> What? We, we, we think forward. It's all we can think of is time and what's next. And, and yet God, before we were created, He created things for you to do. He's ordering our footsteps. He is working all things together for your good. You see how He's backwards working when we're working forwards Jesus has said it because he is God. And Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. Wait, what? He, he's not playing in the same time zone. What's going on here? How could Jesus say that? And as soon as he said the words, I am, they wanted to kill him. Because they knew he was speaking what they would call blasphemy. He was claiming to be God because nobody can say that, that before Abraham was, I am? It doesn't even make sense in vernacular. Before Abraham was, I am. Who are you? The great I am. Who are you? I am the eternal now. I am God. I am not like you. I am not bound by the space-time continuum. I am outside of that. I am inside of that. I'm all of it. That's who God is. I love what God said in... In uh, Joshua 6, verse 2, I will deliver Jericho into your hands. No! Look it up and see what he said. I love how God thinks. He does not think like we do. He didn't say, I will deliver Jericho. He says, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Wait, wait, no, God, no, we're still stuck. No, no, guys, you don't understand. I am time. I know what will be. I know what has been. And he tells them, before it takes place, I have given you victory. I hope, if anything, that encourages you today. As a child of God, you need to know who you have as a Savior. You need to know who you have as a God. You need to know He's not stuck and bound like we are. He's beyond that. We work forward, but He always works back. And then everything is created twice. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, at first, there's a thought, and then the thought becomes a reality, let me give you this example. What you're looking at on your screen is a layout of the town of Washington, D.C. before it existed. Before it existed in reality, it existed on paper. And before it existed on paper, it existed in the mind of Pierre Charles Lafont. I love how they, in the picture, they call him Peter. We Americanize everybody. But Pierre, Pierre had a thought and a layout In his mind, it was created there first, and then it was put on paper, and then it became reality. Everything's created twice. And And so so when we think about that, you need to know that when God gives a vision, he makes provision. Is God calling you to to move move forward and do something? Then if he's given you that, then he will provide. (laughs) Because he's the God of all time. He's the God of current, and he's the God of past, and he's the God of knowing what will take place. He's created good things in advance for you to do. That's why I was so thrilled. My heart leapt with joy when Stephanie just cut me off and said, yep, I'm ready. Let's go. What is, what's the job? I love that. What do I got to do? After she said yes. Yes, because I've been waiting for this. She knew that God had something been planned for her. And when it was told to her, she's like, let's go. She flew the kite, cut the rope. She did all of those, eating frogs. She's doing all of it. And that's how I'm encouraging you to live. God giving you a vision. He's going to give you the provision. What does that mean? Well, you're here for such a time and place as this. How many of you ever said, oh, I was made for the 1800s. Anybody ever look back and said, I always thought I, I was, I always think of the medieval times. I think I was made for the medieval. No, I wasn't. I'd be dead so quick. You know somebody would say, let's duel, and I'd be like, I'm dead. I wouldn't last a heartbeat. You know, God didn't make any mistake. Some of you are like, I was, made, I, I was born too early, I'm, I'm for the future. I, I don't know. Like, no, no, no. God knows everything, and he puts you here for such a time as this. God puts you in such a place as this. You're no accident, you're no mistake. Why am I at Oakwood sucking air for free today? I'll tell you why. God designed it for that. You had a divine appointment to be here today. And you're just the answer. You're just the answer. People of Oakwood, great family at Oakwood as I look you in the eyes. I tell our people all the time in leadership when everybody's work, we don't have enough helpers. We don't have enough volunteers. I don't know. We can't get enough people to commit. I tell them all the time, we've got everything we need because God brings to the church at the right time, the right place. And he Gives provision. It's his provision. We are the church. Everybody say it. God builds his body. Some of y'all maybe are sitting and stewing when it's time to get off the pew and get going, and maybe God needs to spur you on. Maybe you got to fly that kite and say, okay, okay, I'm in. Volunteer. Don't volunteer. Be a servant. God, remember to take that word out of our vernacular. No volunteers, we serve Jesus. I want you to meet me in Ephesians chapter 5. Would you turn there today? I want to use that as a preaching passage. Ephesians chapter 5. And then I'm going to give two points and then we'll be done for the day. But Ephesians 5, I'm going to... There's a teaching verse I want to give you. It's on the screen already, but let's find out what it's there for. In Ephesians 5, 1 through 17... It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So break that verse, these two verses down, walk like Jesus walked. Why? He gave everything. He served us by giving his whole life. Verse three, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people what does holy mean holy means set apart different and, and he's showing the contrast here the whole thing is about contrast you'll see it in just a second so don't do these things you're God's holy people verse 4 nor should there be obscenity foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place but rather thanksgiving for of this you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such thing God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Okay, so he's talking about your actions, Christian. He's talking about your life. Don't do this because that's not holy. That's not set apart. Be God's people. Be like this. And then he takes it further, verse 8. If you were, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless. Everybody say fruitless the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Wake up. I was going to set this alarm so it would go off, but it's the analog. I don't mean how to do that anymore. Wake up. Wake up. You see the contrast there? Don't live like this. You need to live like this. God's holy people, set apart, different. And then he he goes to the darkness. These are darkness deeds. They do these things in the dark because they want to hide them, but nothing's hidden from Christ. Remember, remember uh, uh, my favorite passage in Psalm 139? Uh, if I, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the night become, or the light become night around me. Even there, the night will shine like day because nothing is darkness to you. And so this I'm wondering if he had that in his mind as he's penning these words and he's saying the darkness is exposed you're children of light so we've got this living right versus living wrong we've got this living in light rather than in darkness theme going on and then we come to the what I think is the key to the whole thing Vis 15 it says be careful then That's one of those great words then. It's like the howevers and things of Scripture. So he made a whole point of something. And then he says, be careful then how you live. Everybody say live. Live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So we bring you to this preaching verse. Ephesians 5.16 on the screen. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The good old King James says, redeeming the time. We need to understand what God's talking about here because he's talking about winding the clock. Redeeming the time. Taking it back. Making it useful. Not fruitless wind the clock two keys to making time making making time not you you don't find time you make time so there are important habits we need in our lives you're not going to find the time to do them you're going to have to make the time to do them how do we do that because that is exactly what redeeming the time means friends we all have the same amount time is the great equalizer for everybody everybody here has the exact same amount It's the socialist program of every government, right? Forget it. We're never going to do that financially, but I'm telling you, God did it with time. Y'all got the same amount. Everybody gets the same amount. The rich don't get more. The poor don't get less. Everybody is the great equalizer, is time. So how do we make time in our lives for the God things, the good things. Number one, curse the barren fig tree. One of my favorite passages, one of my most bothersome passages, let me read it for you in Mark. Just listen as I read. You can get there if you want to. But Mark 11, 12 through 25, the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. I love seeing that in scripture, by the way. Jesus, God had hunger pains. That's amazing to me the creator of all things, experiencing hunger. Wow. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf. Everybody say in leaf. He went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Wrap your head around that first, okay? He's hungry. In the distance, he sees a fig tree and it has leaves on it. But the Bible says he goes to find out if it has any figs. Why? Because it's not fig season. However, I've done some horticology study because this really bothered me. This whole passage, really I really had to work on this one for a long time. I found out in horticology that when a fig tree produces its figs, it puts its leaves out. Leaves first, and then the figs come. So when you see a fig tree in full leaf, it could have figs. It looks like it's it's not time for figs. I just want to say, apparently this fig tree decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to be better than all the other fig trees. Leafs. Look at me, everybody. I'm a fig tree above all fig trees. It's not even time yet, but look at me and my leaves. The Bible says when Jesus saw it, he's hungry, he has need, he goes to get the figs. He doesn't, he's not sure it should even have figs. It's not time for figs, but the leaf is, the tree is saying, I'm leafy. And so he goes and looks, he gets there, there's no figs. What do you think that he does? This is why this passage blows my mind. He said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. In Matthew, as you read this passage, it says, he cursed the fig tree and it died. What? That's not very Arbor Day-ish. That's not very tree-hugging. And you don't see a lot of Jesus cursing things to death in the Scriptures. You don't. I'm like, what's going on in this passage? and you know it bothered the disciples. The Bible doesn't tell us everything, but you know it freaked the disciples out. Read it in all the Gospels, and you get a picture of it, because the disciples saw him wither the tree, and they all went, oh. and nobody asked him about it at that moment. They went, let's read on, on reaching Jerusalem, so they moved on. Nobody said anything. Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned tables and the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. He wouldn't allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, it is, not, "'Is it not written, my house should be called a house of prayer?' of all nations but you have made it a den of robbers the chief priests and teachers all heard this and began looking for a way to kill him for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching when evening came Jesus and his disciples went out of the city in the morning as they went along they saw the fig tree that withered from the roots peter remembered and said to jesus rabbi look you killed the tree <laughs> i just that's my that's my version <laughs> In the other passages, it bothered his disciples so much, they didn't say it when it happened, but they've been thinking about it all the way in Jerusalem, and a lot of dramatic stuff happened in Jerusalem, and on the way out, they kinda, nobody says anything until the tree is in view, and they're like, You killed the tree! Why? Actually, that's the question they should have asked. But no one asked why. Oh, I wish they'd asked why. Because by not asking why, Jesus answered whatever question he wanted to. Peter just said, Look, the fig tree you killed. <laughs> so Jesus says, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you've received it and you'll be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive them your sins. Thank you, Jesus. He just gave a lesson on how to kill trees. See, Jesus' answer here is not why he killed the tree. He's answering how. And he lets them know anything you ask for, you can do. And they're all going, We don't want to kill trees. Somebody should have asked, Why did you kill the tree? And because nobody asked the question, I've had to study for days and weeks and months and wonder. The best I can figure, and it's not written in scripture, so I can only tell you the best I can figure. He was hungry. The tree pretended to be fruitful. He went and found no figs. And Jesus said, die then. (laughs) He goes into Jerusalem. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And there's a river of life we sang songs about what it's supposed to be like to enter into his temple today and Jesus goes into the temple and they're selling and they're, it's all about enriching themselves and, and putting other people in positions of need and it, it was ugly and Jesus starts flipping tables and throwing people out. Nope, 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 nope. Not in, not in uh, uncontrolled anger. Remember in one passage it says he fashioned a whip. It took time. He thought this thing through. He wasn't in an outrage. He, he cleared the temple and he says, my father's house shall be known as a house of prayer and they go back out and they go through town the next day and the disciple says, the tree, yeah, you can do that too. Trust in God. No. Somebody ask why. So the best I can say, fruitlessness bothers God. Fruitlessness is an offense to our God. Our God who lives in the current state of now and tolerates us who only live for seconds in decades. The tree was saying, look at me. But it wasn't producing fruit. He walks into the temple, and the temple's saying, look at me, and it's not producing fruit. I see a parallel. And I see him him killing the tree, and I see him driving out the temple. He's trying to make all things new. He's trying to bring life. He's trying to bring fruit fullness he wants you to have a fruitful life so what do i have to do the key to making time is i gotta curse the barren fig trees in my life what are those things that are not producing fruit in your life there's a lot of them we can list them today what are those things that you're wasting time on you're wasting time and not spending the moments that are before you for fruit to bear fruit for god fruitlessness leads to judgment for the tree for the temple for the church for you as an individual fruitlessness will lead to judgment i pray oakwood never wants to throw out the leaves and say look at us look at us because we're not what you're supposed to look at i pray that as oakwood we'll pray for fruit and when the people see the fruit they'll see god not Oakwood. God. Second thing, key to making time is you got to do the math. Let me explain two things, and we're done. I know we're getting close to time. Do the math. You got to do the math for anything. Say you want to write a book, and you decide I'm going to write 20 pages. So let's make it easy. I'm going to write 30 pages this month. Then do the math. You need to write a page a day, roughly. Except for in February, you got to kick it in gear. All right. But besides that, we got to we're going to write a book. You want 30 pages a month? Do the math. A page a day. Do the math in all things. Anything you can think of that you think God wants you to be doing and involved in, do the math. And make time. Everybody said, make time. You're not going to find time. You've got to make time. And so, to order or to understand time better, I'm going to explain time. Kronos is what we're used to. to. Is something that we're not used to. Keras is what I already explained to you today when I picked on uh, Coley and Mark and Ed. And they answered what any one of you were going to answer, they answered Kronos. They answered chronological, sequential, past, present, future, and they answered quantitative seconds, minutes, hours. So how long have you lived? Well, you can answer chronos because most of us do. But interestingly, I read you a verse a little bit ago out of Ephesians 5, and the author did not use chronos when he said redeem the time. That's how we always think. He didn't say redeem the chronos. He used the word "karios," Redeem the moments. What are those moments? The moments when you're really alive. An opportune time for action. We can live and be fully alive. And God says, redeem your time. Yes, you got to be thinking about the clock. Why in the clock? you got to make time. You're not going to find time. But make sure that what you're making time for is karyos, not chronos. Nobody's getting more time, but you can have more moments. Let me ask you a question today. Not how long have you lived, but how many of you would like to live more? Amen? Show me. I want to live more. That moment on the Kawasaki with the wind blowing through my hair. I wish I had a hair back. The moment standing on that dock thingy with Julie. I remember that. Were you wearing the Coca-Cola shirt? I, don't I think you were. I think, let's just say she was because it makes me sound really good. She had this cool Coca-Cola polo thing. I want to live for Christ in moments like that that etched in my mind forever. Producing fruit, amen? Yeah. Producing fruit so that people's lives are changed. Not because of me, but God has already done work in advance. He's working backwards to us. We're not doing this alone. Stephanie's got a new job. Guess what? God's got it laid out for her. God's got something for you. He's got it laid out for you. He's not bound by today. He's, he's the eternal present, and so he's working all things. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Wind the clock today. What are you going to start? I'm going to ask the team to come up, and I'm just going to simply close in prayer. Encourage you to win the day. Everybody say, win the day. Think about what this message could have for you. And while we do that, we're not having a closing song today. We're simply going to pray you out. Um, We're going to encourage you to stop at the oak Uh, to sign up for the SOS serving at uh, Pastor Shane's home uh, to help them on their way and then um, stop by and ask at the Oak. There'll be people there. uh, If you have questions about serving in any capacity, uh, if you have questions about Harvest Festival or anything, uh, you can ask at the oak today, and if you're visiting with us, stop at the other kiosk. That first kiosk outside the door is the welcome kiosk. They have those gifts for you if you're visiting. The second kiosk on the other side that is the oak, and that's where all things oakwood is, so you can get those things. We're going to uh, pray and bless you, and then you're dismissed. And we're going to do that River of Life song as a walkout song today, encouraging you in that way. If you're here for the children's ministry training, uh, we've got food for you. Uh, my prayer right now is going to be a prayer of dismissal and a prayer of blessing on the food for us. And I'm going to ask those people that are here for the challenge ministry training to go get their food, bring it back in here and start eating. I'll start the training and we think it should be no more than 35 minutes. Okay. We'll get you out of here. So let me give a prayer of all those things. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your people. Nobody is a mistake here today. They're here for such a time as this. They're here for such a place as this. God, help us to live in it. God, help us to have life in it. Oh, how sweet your church would be if the people were alive and living moments. Karyos moments. Fruit not fruitlessness. So God, if there's fruitlessness in lives, we rebuke it. We redeem it with fruit. We redeem it with carious time. I pray that people here would wind the clock and they would have to make decisions about what they allow into their lives and what they will not take time for. So God bless them. May your face shine upon them. May you bring them peace. We pray for the food as a a blessing for those who are coming to the training. May it enrich us and make us strong. And and God bless that in our lives as well. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say amen. amen. You're dismissed. Go in peace.